1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, to say the housing market has been on a wild ride, well, it's kind of an understatement. And Asif, our first guest, is here to tell us all about the hot market. That's right, Tina. Joining us for On The Market is Randall Bartlett, Senior Director of Canadian Economics at Desjardins Group. Welcome to the show, Randall. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Hey, Randall, let's start at the beginning. Where were we in December of 2019, and where are we now? So in December of 2019, uh, the Toronto housing market and broader Canadian housing market were, uh, were doing very, very well. Um, we were on certainly a, a, you know, a, a steady grind higher in terms of prices and home activity. Uh, interest rates were you know, rel- low relative to you know where we were a decade before kind of thing. You know, income growth was strong. We had high levels of immigration, particularly to the GTA, and so there were a lot of tailwinds driving the Canadian uh, Canadian housing market at the end of 2019. Uh, and then the the pandemic hit, and uh, you know we had uh, some some pretty big swings in uh, activity after that. And so, where are we at this stage of the game? So what we saw was that. Um, through the pandemic, you know, after, you know, after the early lockdowns and people were, uh, you know, people, people stayed home mm-hmm. for a, a month or two, we saw that the, uh, there was a, uh, a big bullwhip effect in terms of uh, activity uh, in the housing market, that people were, you know, scrambling to find uh, more space as people were working from home. Uh, people wanted, uh, you know, places that, you know, were potentially more affordable, so fanned out to communities that had greater affordability than the city. Um, and also... Um, look for, you know, communities that were going to accommodate, you know, lifestyle during the pandemic that they might be looking for as well. So we saw that a lot of uh, uh, home values in cottage country saw the largest appreciation in, in the province of Ontario. And uh, those recreational properties saw the, the largest appreciation, you know, outside of Ontario as well. So um, certainly uh, the dynamics changed considerably as people were looking for um, that change in lifestyle. And so what we saw was that that pace of activity continued uh, up until about February of this year, uh, at a national level, um, as people tried to, you know, uh, get in uh, to the market before we saw that, uh, you know, the Bank of Canada and other central banks around the world started hiking interest rates to push back against decades-high uh, levels of inflation. And now that we have people returning to work and, and moving back to the core of the city, do you see this changing at all? Yeah, what we've seen since uh, since February is that as people have started to come back to the city, and we've seen borrowing costs start to uh, increase uh, quickly, uh, is that um, you know that's caused the housing market to begin to cool um, broadly across the country. Certainly, in terms of sales activity, that's uh, generally across the country we've seen um, a pullback. A part of that is that you know people wanted to get in ahead of rate hikes, and so. Uh, ultimately, there would be some natural pullback. Anyway, we saw this 
you know, when the B20 uh, rule changes were brought in, that kind of thing as well, people try to get it ahead of this. Uh, well, part of it is also just the higher cost of borrowing overall, uh, and that um, you know, and that return to work is is pulling people, um, you know, causing people to sort of take a step back and pause and just get a sense of what's happening in the housing market uh, going forward, and and you know how big the swings and changes are going to be uh, in both uh, prices and activity, uh, but also as people return to work, and you know, there is some uncertainty as to what those arrangements are going to look like for a lot of people. Is it going to be a hybrid model going forward? Is it going to be you know something that allows for a lot of remote work? Is it going to be full-time in the office? And so until people have that certainty, it's going to be a bit more challenging for the, I think, the housing market to really find uh, that stable footing uh, that it needs to to really start uh, you know, uh, advancing at a healthy pace again. And would you describe the housing market as starting to cool? And if so, is there a need to panic? So certainly we see that the housing market is cooling. We've seen it for three consecutive months now. Um, that's expected to, we expect that to continue going forward. Uh, although we don't expect the, the pace of declines to, uh, to accelerate. We think that, uh, um, you know, ultimately we're going to see a, a sort of settling out, uh, toward the, uh, toward the end of next year and, uh, a stabilization in the, in the Canadian housing market. Um, but we don't think that uh, there's reason to panic, and there are a few reasons for that, um, one of which is that we think the fundamentals remain strong in the Canadian housing market. And some of those fundamentals are the fact that we're expecting to see uh, immigration to Canada in excess of 1.3 million over the next uh, few years. That is, you know, about 40% of those people come to both the GTA and uh, the Greater Vancouver area. And so certainly those people uh, tend to be attracted to our major centers, and that will help to support uh, prices in, uh, in major centers in Canada. So I think uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what we've looked at in terms of uh, the impact on prices, you know, those fundamentals of, of immigration, I think, continue to hold up. The labor market in Canada is exceptionally strong right now. We, uh, the unemployment rate in Canada is the lowest since we started, you know, calculating it as part of the labor force survey in the mid-1970s. And so uh, certainly that's pushing up wages. We've seen really strong wage data uh, also so far this year. So it's, um, there are a lot of really strong you know, labor, uh, fundamentals in the labor market that are going to continue, we think, to support um, uh, housing market activity. Also, um, when you look at just the mountain of savings that were built up by households during the pandemic, those are starting to get eroded now by high inflation, but at the same time, and, and you know, falling equity market prices and that kind of thing. But as you look at... Um, Still, the level of household savings, it's really, it's really unprecedented in the country. So there are a lot of elements that we think are going to prevent uh, the housing market from certainly collapsing. We think we are going through a price correction, but certainly not a collapse. And we think that there really uh, isn't reason to panic. Uh, when looking at our forecast, our view is that at a national level, we should see a correction of about 15% from that February 2022 peak to the end of 2023. But at the same time, home prices will still remain more than 20% above uh, the December 2019 level. So certainly, you know, correction is underway, not a collapse, and it's, there, it's not time to panic, that's for sure. And we're certainly seeing that in the core because there's still a lot of activity. There's still a lot of sales and, and prices are still, there's a lot of communities still fetching over asking in certain areas because of the sheer demand. Now, if the correction was to be led by certain provinces or communities, where do you see those provinces or communities being? 
So we see the provinces that are leading the correction being those that saw the biggest run-up in uh, in prices during the pandemic. So those would be the maritime provinces in particular. Uh, they're, they have much better affordability than anywhere else in the country. And as a result, um, a lot of uh, people migrated there from other parts of Canada during the pandemic. So we see, you know, a bit of outward migration as, you know, people have to start coming back into the office. And ultimately, that's going to start to cool prices off in those provinces as well. Um, also Ontario and BC, which saw some of the largest price gains during the pandemic as well, and the greatest erosion of affordability during the pandemic. When we, uh, we produce what we call the uh, Desjardins Affordability Index. And when you look at cities in Ontario relative to major cities in the rest of the country, you can see that the affordability eroded more here than it did elsewhere. And also when you look at just uh, cities within Ontario, both sort of larger and, and sort of more medium-sized cities, you can see that that change was, was quite dramatic and that the gap between Toronto and the rest of the province narrowed quite a bit during the pandemic in terms of affordability. So we see that some of those communities that saw the largest run-up here um, in Ontario are probably going to uh, see the largest adjustment. Uh, a lot of those are sort of within that range of a couple of hours drive of, uh, of the GTA as people looked for, you know, more room to stretch their legs and, uh, you know, a, a different lifestyle during the pandemic as well than they were able to have in, in the city. Um, so we think that, um, you know, those are probably the areas that are most vulnerable to a larger correction than, uh, than say, in the GTA and uh, some of the, the, the closer suburbs. Also, you know, the further afield you go from the GTA, thinking, you know, northern Ontario and that kind of thing, very sort of much more remote areas, uh, didn't see the price gains either during the pandemic that, uh, that uh, some other communities, you know, within a couple of hours drive of the GTA did. And so they're probably not going to see a larger price correction either. After the break, should we expect a fall in prices? This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez, and of course, our real estate expert is Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties. Asif. We're continuing the conversation with Randall Bartlett, Senior Director of Canadian Economics at Desjardins Group. Randall, that was great information. Now, what can you tell us about individual communities and how will they be impacted by home prices, especially in Ontario? Well, I guess... I'd start off with a caveat on the work that we've done recently in that, um, you know, we, you know, build models to try to calculate these things. And we look at city level data to try to get a sense of what's happening at the individual community level. Uh, but certainly month to month changes are just so unpredictable in this market. They can be uh, very lumpy. We can, because of individual transactions, we can have, um, you know, sentiment changing very quickly within that people may want to take advantage of homes that were sort of not accessible to them in the future. So, um, so what we're seeing at the individual city level, um, can vary significantly from month to month and can vary significantly from what we're seeing in terms of, um, you know, the analysis that we did, which is more of a sort of uh, looking at the trend over the next, uh, year to two years. But what our sense is that when we look at the individual community level, sort of the, the closer you are to the GTA, those, those, um, those communities, you know, Mississauga, Peel, that kind of thing, that didn't see the big, the same, same level of correction either, in part because they're going to benefit from those fundamentals, those tailwinds I was talking about, immigration, labor market, savings, 
um, that, you know, other parts of the province might not. But as you get into that sort of range of, you know, a two to three hour drive from the GTA where you saw price gains and places like Bancroft that announcing prices um, increased from, you know, around 200% relative to uh, the 20, December 2019 level, um, whether it's, you know, Carry um, Sound, which saw similar price gains, whether it's communities like Chatham-Kent, whether it's, you know, London, Ontario, Tiltonburg, uh, places within just that, that rate, that, that two to three hour radius of the city uh, that saw those big run up in prices. Those, those are the communities that are most vulnerable to a correction. We can't guarantee, you know, what the month over, we don't, you know, guarantee what the month over month is going to be, but at the same time, um, you know, they're, they're certainly the most vulnerable to those corrections just because they're not necessarily going to benefit from the same tailwinds, but they did see those big run up in prices. And so as a result are, are more vulnerable to, to rising interest rates and rising borrowing costs. And speaking of those costs, how will higher borrowing costs affect sales? And should we expect to fall in prices? Certainly, you know, what we know about any sort of interest rate sensitive asset, housing being the one that is the largest um, held by most households, uh, is that when interest rates rise, prices uh, do have a tendency to go down. And there's, you know, there are those fundamental drivers that do tend to benefit uh, those assets in the long term. It's still a scarce good. Um, and so that uh, certainly, you know, supports, you know, rising values as the population increases. Um, but uh, on the whole, as interest rates go up, um, we would expect to see prices, uh, prices correct and go back down toward the, sort of the trend, the multi-year trend that we saw prior to the pandemic. Um, and so, uh, that's something that, that folks should be aware of, certainly. Uh, and that's what we're seeing right now playing out in the market. Uh, what matters is affordability and the, uh, the monthly cost of, uh, of, of, of maintaining a house, of maintaining a home and a, and a household. And so as those monthly costs are to go up due to the, the rising cost of, uh, of borrowing, um, you know, prices do start to correct. Uh, because, you know, people are just, you know, need to be able to, 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 uh, afford to, to stay in those homes, to live in those homes. And so that's, uh, something that we're seeing playing out right now. Um, and so the affordability piece is something that we're watching, uh, very closely going forward, um, as it continues to be eroded by rising interest rates. And even with the interest rates being, uh, higher right now than they were during the pandemic, they're still lower than pre-pandemic. Do you think that has uh, it's more of a psychological uh, twist to this, or is is it really affecting those buyers? Because they were qualified at five point two five percent, so we know that the banks have done their due diligence in making sure that people can afford the homes. Is is the rising interest rate more psychological than it is hurting the people in terms of financially? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think there are, there are two aspects to it. I think one of which is that psychological aspect that, um, you know, people want to get a sense of uh, what those costs are going to be going forward. Um, so these are new, you know, uh, these are, these are new purchases of homes, um, before necessarily they commit, uh, to, uh, to purchasing a home. And uh, given the fact that they, that most people tend to plan to hold it for a relatively long period of time. The, uh, the other one is that, um, there's the Bank of Canada's uh, monetary policy interest rates, so the very short-term interest rate, but we also import uh, higher interest rates from other parts, from you know other parts of the world, and in particular the United States. And so, while the uh, while the sort of five-year, two to five-year borrowing cost for uh, for government is uh, going to go up in Canada, 
our expectation certainly is that those shorter term borrowing costs are going to go up even that much more in the U.S. And as a result, um, you know, we'll be importing some of that into Canada. And so there is uncertainty as to how high those borrowing costs beyond the very short term can potentially go uh, over the next couple of years. Now, we ultimately think that the uh, Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve is going to front load a lot of these interest rate increases and that ultimately they're going to be forced to start pulling back uh, toward the end of next year, just given the fact that the economy is going to cool so much. Our expectation is the Canadian economy is only going to grow by 1.1% next year and the U.S. by 1.2%. And so they're going to be forced to sort of, uh, you know, let off the break in order to uh, allow interest rates to come down and then ultimately those, you know, provide some support to those more interest rate sensitive sectors. So I think it's really that psychology of, uh, of buyers just wanting to see how things shake out, but at the same time, um, just getting a sense of, uh, you know, how high, um, you know, actual uh, borrowing costs can go beyond just sort of what, what's happening in the Bank of Canada. Now, earlier this week, the inflation rate hit 7.7%. Do you think consumers then are planning to sit tight for the time being? Certainly, I think uh, that is a real risk. And I think we're starting to, uh, to see that now, um, that, uh, you know, we're seeing it in, in the housing market and, and, and interest rate sensitive sectors like that, that uh, certainly we're seeing corrections there. We're just not seeing the, the same amount of volume of activity. And I think that that's uh, across, across the country. And I think that that's uh, a, a big part of that. Um, we're, we had some, you know, retail sales numbers come out for April uh, yesterday, and they showed that, you know, the consumer is still, um, you know, in the driver's seat, uh, almost with a 0.9% increase over, over March. And so, uh, consumers in terms of volumes of purchases. So consumers are still out there buying, they're still pulling, you know, incomes, income growth is very solid, still seeing high savings. So consumers can still, uh, be out there purchasing both goods and services. And so, um, that demand is still being satisfied, but at the same time, as, as inflation continues to increase and continues to erode the buying power of households, um, and as rates go up and start to cool the economy off, and that's just ultimately to feed into wages going into, we think, next year, you know, this is going to be a challenging environment uh, for households, and we're going to see a continued erosion of affordability from inflation until the Bank of Canada eventually gets it under control. Hmm. Randall, if, if we could get you to get the crystal ball out for the last six months of 2022, what would you tell our listeners as to what you think is going to happen in the housing market? So in the next six months, I mean, we think the housing market is going to continue to cool, both in terms of, uh, in terms of prices and in terms of sales. Uh, but again, we think there are those you know, really fundamental tailwinds that are supporting uh, the long-term stability of the housing market in Canada. So my advice would be don't panic, hang tight, and uh, make sure that... Um, you know, make sure that, you know, your household is able to, uh, you know, to carry um, the, uh, the expense that they have and the assets, the liabilities that they, they have. And uh, ultimately, um, you know, the, 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 if you're looking for a home, uh, the, the time will come when it, uh, when it you know, is, is affordable for you. And we think uh, that, um, you know, it, it really uh, it just, you know, hang tight and uh, don't panic and, and be prepared for the right time. Great advice and, and great information. If people want to read more about your report, where can they find it and how can they contact you if they want to get more information? So if people want to find our report, it's uh, on the Desjardins Economic Studies website. 
And um, if people want to get sort of up-to-date housing market information uh, that we're, we're analyzing here at Desjardins Economics, uh, the best bet is to get on our email list or uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, Randall underscore uh, Bartlett. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. And we start in Markham with a question from Leah. She attended an open house recently and the staging was stunning. How does she make sure that she's not missing a big issue with the property? Asif, what do you think? Great question, Leah. Towards home inspection, and uh, hmm. you know, you should always get a home inspection, especially in the older homes. Uh, the newer ones, they come with a tear-in warranty, but you would still want a home inspection. A home inspection is more—it's not to make or break a deal, but it's more for your information, your peace of mind, because you will find out what the property needs and what the property has and how to maintain certain elements of the property. The home inspector, a good home inspector will point out uh, how you should be maintaining certain elements of the property, like the furnace, the hot water tank, anything like that. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you are covering all of your bases by having a home inspection done, making sure that you aren't missing anything. And even if places have an offer date, you're going to be able to do a home inspection prior to the offer date. Your agent can book off time for a home inspector to go in and it's probably the best four or $500 that you're going to spend because it's almost like insurance. So if you do end up getting in the property, you know that you've got that peace of mind that you have everything checked out. So to clarify, at what point in the offer process does the home inspection happen? If you're not competing with other buyers, then you can actually put in a condition so that when your offer is accepted, you have one to five days to have a home inspection done. And if you are competing and you know there's going to be three or five or seven offers on this property and there's a risk that someone may come in without conditions, you can have your home inspection done prior to the offer date. So suppose the offers are on a Monday, your agent can arrange for an inspector to go in uh, for a quick check of all the major components. It might take an hour, it might take an hour and a half, but uh, he can consult with the seller's agent to have your home inspector go in and just do that quick check and give you a report on what he finds or she finds uh, within the property. Now, you mentioned things like furnace, et cetera, but is the home inspector also looking for maybe mold issues or cracks in foundation, that kind of thing? Yeah, mold, water damage, uh, the roof, attic insulation. There's a lot that a home inspector does. So uh, again, it's the best four or $500 that you can spend. And you want to get that report. Now, the home inspector's job is to find something uh, wrong with the property or that needs attention with the property. Otherwise, buyers will think that the home inspector didn't do their job adequately. So you are going to have certain things in there, like the cabinets are, the cabinet doors are loose. So these are all maintenance issues. They don't make or break a deal. But 
it does alert you as to what maintenance the home needs. And going into a home inspection with that mindset is probably the best. You're, you're not trying to kill the deal or you're not trying to, uh, you know, showcase how much more you're going to have to put in in terms of expenses to fix things. What you, the home inspector's job is, is to alert people as to what is required within that property. Our next question comes from Grace in Richmond Hill, also related to this as well. She wants to make an offer on a property, but noticed an odd smell during the home tour. What do you think it could be? And if the home inspection discovers an issue, how does she proceed? Well, within the home inspection, you will have an opportunity to go back to these sellers and ask them to either remedy the problem, uh, you know, find out what that smell is. And it really depends. I mean, there's so many different variables with, uh, you know, smell. Like it could just be something rotting in the kitchen. It could be, uh, you know, maybe a, a pest problem. It, there, there's so many things that uh, it could be. So finding out what it was and what it could be and how to fix it is the key. And a home inspector would probably be able to determine that aspect of it. And after that, it's just finding out if the seller is going to fix it or if there's going to be some sort of compensation for the buyer to be able to fix it. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? You know, they can call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5425. Now, just before we go, the On The Market Hot Listing brought to you by Souk, that's S-O-U-Q-H, simplifying the home ownership experience. Asif, over to you. You know, we're going to go to two properties in the Markham area, and both of them were, we teased them because they were coming soon and they were now on the market. Uh, The first one is in Boxgrove in Markham, that's 9th Line, 14th Avenue area, and this is 12 of Vitesse Court. This is a really small pocket of homes on Vitesse Court. It's a great little secluded little community, a nice park at the end of the court. This is a four-bedroom townhouse. It's a corner townhouse. It feels like a semi. It's nice and bright. Beautiful backyard with a, a three-level deck. Four bedrooms, not three. A lot of the homes in this pocket have three bedrooms. It has an attached garage instead of a detached garage, and that's why you get that deeper backyard. You don't have the garage taking up much of your backyard. It's got a balcony off one of the bedrooms, a huge master with a gorgeous ensuite. And this one has a finished basement that is rented out for $1,800 a month. So great income potential. Mm-hmm. It's going to help pay the mortgage for a lot of the purchasers. A tenant is willing to stay, and it's just a fabulous property. Amazing. And the next property? The next property, we're going to go to 3642nd Street. So now this is an executive home in Unionville. Again, four huge bedrooms, Tina. There's also a a basement uh, apartment or a basement bedroom with a wet bar, entertaining center, a gym. This one has an absolutely stunning backyard. It's like a resort back there. You've got a gorgeous pool, a hot tub. You've got a little cabana with a bar built into it. This is absolutely stunning. The entire main floor has been redone. Gorgeous kitchen with a built-in breakfast area. And then you've got the laundry room that everyone wants. It's got, uh, if your kids play sports and stuff, you've got lockers for them to store their equipment. You've got a great mudroom. It's got a main floor office because everyone's working from home right now. This home has everything. And at under $2.5 million for a four-bedroom property, 
of this size and with the upgrades that this has in Unionville, this is a steal. A couple of amazing properties. All right, contact information and list prices for property one and two. Property one, 12 Batiste Court is listed at $1.2 million. Property two, 36 42nd Street is $2,488,000. And they can contact me at 905-554-5522 or on my cell, 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.